0: When time is not on your side, the last thing you want to do is neglect your wellness. With just 20 minutes a day, you can maximize your training to improve your heart and get pumped. Listen on, Maximal Beings, for a Heart Health Part 2 with Dr. Ankur Kalra. Welcome to Maximal Being. GI doc and ICU nurse that break down the science so you can exceed your gut health, nutrition and fitness goals. So let's smash the bro science and optimizing your health with your hosts, Doc Mock and R.N. Graham. So R.N. Graham, what, what do you eat for breakfast to, to get into physique competition strength and to, to power your you know your night shift uh, whenever your breakfast may be? And And do you eat heart healthy grains as a part of your diet?
1: I mean, I eat my Wheaties. What else am I supposed to eat?
0: Wheaties <laughs> and Cheerios,
1: people. <laughs> no, um, listen, that, that, that is a very, very important topic. Um, you know, you see all these things about, oh, Cheerios, 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 or, you know, these, um, a lot of these brand cereals. And don't get me wrong. Compared to some of the alternatives, yes. They're, they're, they are better than some alternatives. But for myself, I'm a, I'm a veggie guy. I'm a fruits guy. Um, I am a big believer in, I I do eat eggs and what I do is I'll eat a few eggs and I'll toss in some veggies in there. I'll do my spinach, you know, I'll do some kale, um, and I will have like grapefruit or something with a lower, um, glycemic index as, and that's what I use for my carbs. Um, but as far as breakfast, breakfast cereals go, um, like, like Doc Mock said, you got to read the labels and, and see what you're really putting into your body. How do you guys feel about that?
0: Akur, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I'm meeting I'm Graham for the first time, but that's exactly what I eat uh, for, my, for my breakfast, actually. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, for, for, those, for those who know me, it's, it's fairly boring, but it's, it's fairly consistent. Um, I have a veggie omelet, you know, every morning for breakfast. And I've sort of had that for years you know it's uh, it's uh, spinach, it's uh, tomatoes, uh, bell peppers, uh, two eggs, um, black pepper um, and, and a, you know a little bit of salt um, so that's that's my breakfast and i I sort of, ha- I sort of that's that's a, you know good mix of protein and carbs and you know vegetables obviously and then I, I pair with it uh, the good old PBJ so <laughs> so what i what I do is um i you know the the bread is actually uh a multi grain bread it's i get it from whole foods now i'm I'm not on the stock for whole foods guys I, I I don't owe any stock options with whole foods but um it's a really really good bread it's uh just a multi grain bread uh, it's i think it's made out of diff- different kinds of seeds and uh, of plant origin um so i and i put the 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 crunchy peanut butter, the one, you know, the, you get the peanut butter. So even with peanut butter, there's processed and there's, you know, raw peanut butter. So the peanut butter, which is raw, you'll see that the oil actually collects at the top. You know, that's the one that you want to get because that's just raw peanut butter. So I put that and then I put a natural preserve, uh, you know, from either a berry. So it gives me a good, good kick of sugar in the morning. Um, You know, again, very balanced. Um, not, not the sugar surge you need from a cereal. Um, but so that's, that's my, that's my breakfast. And then I would usually, you know, get, get some fruit with it. So, uh, you know, for those who, who think that breakfast is actually not important, that it's, it's okay to skip breakfast. The answer is no. Uh, there's actually a study which was published in the journal of the American college of cardiology, which looked at cardiovascular mortality. Schaefer, this is interesting. I'm happy to share the paper with you. So they, they looked at a group of breakfast eaters versus no breakfast eaters. So heavy breakfast eaters versus, you know, just uh, sort of, um, you know, barely eating breakfast eaters versus no breakfast eaters. And what they found was the mortality, guess what, was the lowest in people who had the healthiest, like the the largest breakfast. Um, And not only that, they also looked at calcium scores. So they looked at long-term calcium scores, which is, you know, it's, it's a marker of plaque in blood vessels that run on the surface of the heart. And they found that people who actually ate breakfast in the morning regularly had the lowest volume of plaque burden in their coronaries compared with those who barely ate breakfast, compared with those who actually thought that breakfast eating breakfast was not a was not a healthy habit or not a good option. So it's 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 very important to have, you know, a good good breakfast. Now, you know, when you can have that breakfast is is another uh, I think is another point in discussion. And, you know, for me, uh, intermittent fasting is when I, when I can include the uh, the hours when I'm actually sleeping so that I don't have to, you know, be hungry during the day when I'm working or, you know, trying to be productive. Cause you know, I like to, I like to be well-fed, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm working. Um, so what I would typically do is I would have the last meal of the day at either at six or at seven in the evening. And I wouldn't eat anything after that. And then I wouldn't eat anything in the morning before nine. So that's a good 14. I always push for 16, but getting like 16 is the is the perfect duration of intermittent fasting. And if you can only eat for eight hours and not eat for 16 hours, that's the recommended, or I shouldn't say the recommended. I think that's the goal for all intermittent fasters out there. But if you can get to 14, you know, at least, you know, I, I think it's it's a little, I'm, I'm, pushing, I'm pushing myself a little when I'm going to 16, but you know, 14 is, is very doable. So I, I tend not to eat anything. You know, I could have water. That's fine. I could have coffee in the morning. That's fine. You know, not, not a latte or not a cappuccino or not, not like a frappuccino, you know, one of those sugar coffees. Yes. Just plain old regular black coffee. You know, you can have that. You can have tea, uh, you know, just, you know, like t- tea in warm water, you can have water but don't eat anything for if you can do that, like for 14 to 16 hours, it's been shown to boost immunity, uh, lower infection rates. Um, actually you become, ext- you become a fast metabolizer, extremely efficient metabolizer. Uh, and you, you sort of re- start recruiting stem cells, uh, to, to, to regenerate muscle and other diseased organs. So there was a new England journal of medicine review article on this, um, which was, which was incredible. I thought it was, this was, you know, the new England journal moving in the right direction. Um, so, you know, that's what I, I tend to do, you know, you know, personally I'm sort of trying to share things that I do myself and, you know, experiments that I've tried uh, myself in person and the ones that I feel have worked, uh, for me. Um, you know, that's what I do. And, And then if you can do that and take care of all the dietary habits and then sort of, then get into high intensity interval training that's all you really need that's the prescription for the best cardiovascular health but i'm going to stop there
0: yeah our last podcast actually was exactly about intermittent fasting and and the yeah. data behind it and that new england journal paper is is a must read for all the listeners out there for sure i i do 16 and 8 personally. Um, so I, in theory, skip breakfast, but my next meal is uh, breakfast. And then I'll wait a little bit in between cases and then I'll eat lunch and, and I'll kind of keep grazing throughout the day and ultimately eat around 2,800 to 3,200 calories in a day. Um, but compressed, you know, and it, it definitely works well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, don't think grains are evil. Um, but not all grains are created equally, right? So if you're having the common form of wheat here in America is called dwarf wheat, which was actually cultivated to grow, um, in, uh, better conditions. Um, it, if you leave our ancestral wheat and let it grow at some point in time, when it gets to be a, a suitable level, it may collapse on itself or its neighbors. And so actually, um, scientists have genetically modified this what tw- type of dwarf wheat to grow to a, a you know, specific stature so that it can be cultivated and retain that caloric value, not necessarily nutritional value, but caloric value. Um, and that is majority of the wheat that's out there. And it does lack a certain nutritional value. And also a lot of farmers will use pesticides in these things. And we don't know the effects of what that has on our heart. We've talked about this briefly, but in the paleo literature, so we know that our ancestors did eat some form of grains, but again, not all grains are created equally. My wife and I prescribe to mostly um, oats, you know, due to the, I don't have gluten problems, but it is gluten-free and they tend to be relatively clean and uh, non-genetically modified. And then we also do a type of grain called spelt. Spelt is is not a common grain, but it actually has more protein and fiber than quinoa or most of the other very popular healthy grains. Aaron Graham, what what sort of grains do you have when you do grab for a grain?
1: Um, I do a lot of brown rice. I also, I do quinoa a lot. I'm a big fan of quinoa because it's easy and quick to make, you know, 10 minutes, you you have a a pot of quinoa. Um, I I do do a lot of oats, uh, especially steel oats. I do like steel oats. I leave it in the fridge overnight, um, and it's ready in the morning. Um, and I would say that uh, also. If I do do bread, which I don't, I'm not a bread person. But if when I, if I'm making, say myself, you know, a little sandwich in the morning, um, I do a lot of Ezekiel bread. Uh, but otherwise than that, I'm not someone that does you know white bread or I don't do wheat bread. Um, for the for the things that you just said. So that's when it comes to greens, that's the greens I, I jump to.
0: Yeah, and I think glycemic um, timing is also important. You know, when you're if your goal is fat loss, and and you stop your keto, natural ketogenic process that happens when you're fasting or sleeping, and add in a carbohydrate, you will stop the ke- ketogenic process, and you will stop your natural fat burning, mm-hmm. and that's what most people have for breakfast, right? Our grains. But if you continue that process with eggs or with nuts or with avocado, something that has some fat and has some protein, it's going to keep you full longer. So you're not going to snack midday. And then also you're going to continue through that ketogenic fat burning process. So I think, you know, um, keeping to the Mediterranean principles um, and staying within those good glycemic uh, carbohydrates, if, uh, like vegetables, and then having your good fats is important. Now, uh, Dr. Kalra did uh, allude to a very important part of cardiovascular health, which is cardiovascular fitness. And he mentioned high intensity interval training. Um, We do know that uh, there are recommendations set forth by the CDC um, for exercise. And um, essentially what they want is for you to exercise about twice a week um, or a total of about 150 minutes in a week if you can. And what they say is a moderate intensity exercise. Moderate intensity exercise is defined as the Duke protocol, which is about 64% to 76% of your, uh, 220 minus your age in heart, in your heart rate. That's what's considered uh, a good amount of exercise. Um, but you mentioned, you didn't mention moderate intensity exercise, Dr. Coller. You mentioned high intensity interval training. Why do you do that and not just moderate intensity?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, again, I think, um, so, you know, different people have different goals and, you know, you could do moderate intensity and, and that's fine. I think if you have to increase your cardiovascular fitness, so, you know, if you have to sort of, you know, tune the cardiovascular health for... Um, better autonomic function, you know, which I, I think is is going to have its impact on, you know, how you, uh, you know, process your your food intake or, you know, how active you are, what kind of muscle mass you have, and what kind of cardiovascular fitness you have. You sort of have to push the limit and do high intensity interval training. Now, I I'm not saying that because that's my belief. I'm I'm saying that because there's data to support that. You know, one of the, um, the, the the strongest evidence uh, was generated by a, pay, uh, by a group in Dallas at UT Southwestern. They, they did a study, and these are on individuals, um, you know, who were, you know, both um, exercise naive and exercise non-naive, and they subjected them to um, sort of a, a regime or a regimen of high intensity interval training, which by the way, only has to be several minutes. You know, it has to be maybe 24 minutes of high intensity interval training. Is, is pretty is 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 pretty intense actually if you if you ask me or anyone else who does high intensity interval training if you can do that nonstop for 24 minutes that's quite the workout it's 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 tough to sustain longer than 24 minutes um, sort of what the theory of orange theory also is um, you know and is 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 a place I go to now again I don't have any stock options in orange theory but I do I do think that their principle is sort of I wouldn't say is 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 you know is randomized controlled trial evidence <laughs> or but I, but i do think there is good observational data you know supporting their principle um but what i was trying to get at was so in that study what they showed was that the persistent benefits of exercise you know when it comes to weight loss and maintenance of weight loss and improved cardiovascular health and improved arterial stiffness and uh sustained reduction in blood pressure um all these effects, and you know obviously um, i don't think they they don't maybe, you know don't quote me on this i don't think they actually looked at major adverse cardiovascular events, but I see something that they want to look at is did it eventually mitigate stroke risk and, and you know heart heart attack risk, but all the other parameters that I mentioned, so arterial stiffness, uh, which we know has been shown to correlate with clinical outcomes, reduction in sustained reduction in blood pressure, which we know has been shown to be correlated with, with outcomes like we discussed at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you know, weight loss, you know, some people, there is actually data out there which now um, classifies obesity as a risk factor for heart disease. It has not traditionally been a risk factor for heart disease. There has been association, you know, like obesity would lead to insulin resistance, would lead to, you know, high triglycerides. Mm-hmm. And insulin resistance, long term, will cause diabetes. Diabetes is a known risk factor, but obesity, in and of itself, has never been shown to be directly impacting heart disease. But there's data out there now, uh, which you know has shown that obesity, in and of itself, is, a risk, is an independent risk factor for heart disease. So, I, when I'm actually assessing someone's cardiovascular risk, and if someone is obese, I put that as a risk factor for heart disease in my clinic notes. So they, that that study showed was that people who were subjected to high intensity interval training versus people who were just training without any high intensity component, you know, fared worse and the high intensity interval training folks fared a lot better. So if you have to invest in exercise, you know, but you know, that's also a mindset, right? If you want to do something, do something right. That's, that's my mindset. Um, and I think if you, if you want to, if you want to get into exercising and if you want to be serious about it, then, you know, do, you should do uh, a part of your exercise should be high intensity interval training. So uh, not all, not all of it has to be, you know, know, different people have different goals, you know, some want to be, be buff and and that's fine. And, And you could be buff, but you, you could, if you could still include a little bit of high intensity interval training, you know, I think you'll, you'll be buff and healthy from a cardiovascular standpoint.
0: Yeah, I think the key difference between moderate intensity and high uh, intensity interval training is time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been studies that have actually compared the two and shown uh, this was Gillen et al. But in 2016, it's published in plus one. But basically they had similar outcomes, but the difference was it took five times more more time for the moderate intensity group as compared to the high intensity interval training group. So you're all listening to people that are super busy here, right? RN Graham has kids. He's working a thousand hours a week. Like he needs to save time. So that that's why he invests time in those short bursts of energy. Exercise has been found to strengthen your cardiovascular system. It can increase your good cholesterol. That's your HDL cholesterol and lower your triglycerides. One of the bad cholesterols, it can directly change your blood pressure and your heart rate. My resting heart rates around fifties. Sometimes it gets into the high forties and, and I, and it's cause I'm, I think I'm well athletically conditioned at this stage in my life. It also decreases inflammation. So inflammation is a big factor for for those clots in your in your arteries, athelor, atherosclerosis, and it also can improve your insulin sensitivity um, and prevent insulin insulin resistance, which is a big lead uh, risk factor for obesity, which is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Now, RN Graham, you and I, we love to weight lift, and and uh, Dr. Calro over there, you know, mentioned a little bit about being buff. Um, you know, do you lift for cardiovascular health or is or is it just, you know, because it's fun and enjoyable or for the other benefits that we've talked about on our our previous podcasts?
1: No, I I definitely lift for cardio lift for cardiovascular health as well. Um I do a lot of cardio lifting. Um so what that is is I'm not taking those huge, you know, 2-3 minute breaks in between uh each set or each exercise. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm jumping straight into the next exercise. So I'm keeping my heart rate up Um, or in between. If I do choose to focus on, you know, trying to gain size, even in between that, I'm jumping rope. I'm doing something um, to keep my heart rate up because just because you're muscular does not mean you're healthy. Um, And especially when it comes to heart health, I know plenty of people out there that they they look fantastic. they I mean, they're cut up, they have the six pack and everything, but if you put them on a cardio machine, they, they struggle. So are they truly healthy? Um, and the answer is no. Yes. You may look a certain way, but just because your body may look a certain way, doesn't mean your heart is functioning a certain way. Um, you have a lot of athletes out there that drop dead because they have heart issues. So, um, as far as lifting goes, and this is because I've gotten older and, and I've become more in tune with what's more important. Um, and to me, what's more important is being able to function, uh, your, to, to have my body function well, um, especially when it comes to cardiovascular mm-hmm. health. So I love lifting weights. Yes. Um, without a doubt. I can do it every day, all day. But more important than that is, more important than the look is the functionality. So yeah, if I'm lifting, it's, it's got to include some type of cardio in it as well.
0: Yeah, we we talked a little bit about this during our podcast where we, uh, with with GI Jeff and Sharif UltraFit, where we were talking about compound movements and powerlifting. But a lot of the same benefits that exercise in general has on your your cardiovascular system are seen in compound movements like the snatch, like the clean, like the hang. Um, And those are a lot of the fundamental benefits of why CrossFit and those sorts of sports actually do have benefit on your heart directly. Um, And they do implement a lot of the same, um, you know, aerobic and anaerobic factors that are involved with high intensity interval training. So um, just to summarize the topic uh, before we move into a couple of quick listener mails, Blood pressure is a huge risk factor for improving your cardiovascular fitness. We talked about the DASH diet and the impact of processed foods on sugar, of grains, on increasing your uh, vegetable intake and fruit intake and watching what proteins you're selecting on this as well as your cholesterol Obesity is an independent risk factor. Exercise is a great way to improve cardiovascular fitness and um, mitigate some of the risk factors. Whether or not it improves all the outcomes, we're looking for more long-term data in terms of high-intensity interval training. And we will be back after this brief commercial break. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat-resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to maximalbeing.com rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Are you tired of not being able to pronounce what your protein bar is made of? Is your snack a candy bar in disguise loaded with sugar? Well, I have a solution for you, maximal beings. RX Bars are the no-nonsense, delicious option for on-the-go macro maximization. I love the pumpkin spice option available for a limited time only. As one of our listeners, you get wholesale prices and orders of $50 ship for free. Send us an email at team at maximalbean.com for more information. Okay, and we're back. Uh, The first piece of listener mail we have is from Cam, and he's asking, what are the best techniques for stopping smoking? Dr. Kara, I'm going to bring this to you first.
2: So, um, important question. Uh, you know, clearly a risk factor, which it, uh, we know has been associated with, with heart disease, you know, also other diseases. Um, and it's something which um, I work very aggressively with, uh, you know, with my patients. Um, so, you know, my, I typically would start off with uh, with nicotine gums or, or lozenges, uh, you know, you would, you also get nicotine patches. So I would give, I would start off with a seven or a 14 gram patch, you know, depending on you know, the the smoking burden uh, every 24 hours, and I would pair it with with lozenges uh, or with gums. So I would ask them to chew one to two gums every four hours or whenever they have an urge to smoke. Uh, patients typically do well, you know, with, with a combination of patches and gums or what have you. Uh, you know, obviously support groups is, is a great idea, uh, no matter what, uh, you know, new habit you're trying to inculcate or, you know, old habits you're trying to. Trying to forego, uh, so that's how I, I typically start. You know, venlafaxine, or Chantix, which is the the brand name, is a medication which um, you know has, has is very effective, no no doubt about that. But you know has has some serious side effects. You know, with regard to mental health. So I, I I'm not 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 saying that I'm reticent, reticent to prescribing uh, venlafaxine, uh, but is not my it is not my go to medication. Uh, I would. I would start slow and and escalate you know depending on you know how patients do some patients do really really well with just uh, lozenges or gums and patches and you know before you know it, they've sort of won the battle to stop smoking that that, that that's, that's my my take on it what, what is yours Schaefer?
0: yeah i think motivation is a key uh, part of it as well my my dad when he was stopping smoking many many years ago before i was uh, on the earth basically my mom said i'm not going to marry you unless you stop smoking. And he stopped that day. <laughs> and he that hasn't smoked since that time.
2: That is, that's, that's true love right there, huh? Right
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, there, oh, go ahead. Things,
2: I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, one more thing which I think is very, very important, uh, and you know, I, I think is very effective, is if you have a partner who's smoking, uh, the chances of you failing are very high. So I typically have the, converse, the same conversation with the partner as well, like, you know, you are both in this together so you both have to quit smoking at the same time you know i've also gone all the way to saying look the entire upholstery in the in the apartment or in the house that you're living has to has to has to go because you know at times just the uh, the residual uh, you know fragrance of of smoke or tobacco is is enough to sort of have people fall off the cliff and start smoking again and um, so you know again you know different strategies work for for different people Uh, you know, again, it really depends on how motivated you are to to quitting smoking, like you said, Schaefer.
0: Yeah, I think um, smokefree.gov has a lot of great resources. There are now apps, there's a quit guide and the quit start that both can help you kind of through your process, and they have alerts that they can send you. Um, Another factor that, you know, people are kind of Uh, having issues with nowadays, especially, um, is the economic impact. You know, looking at the national averages, a pack of cigarettes, if you're in New York City right now, is like $13 a pack, but on average is around $5 a pack. So if you're smoking a pack a day times 30 days, you're saving about $2,000 a month just by stopping smoking. So when you put it into those dollars and cents, it makes a lot of sense to people. Um, Aaron Graham, what do you think about vaping? Is that a safe alternative?
1: No, vaping is definitely not a safe alternative to smoking. Um, listen, before coronavirus, you know, hit the scene, vaping was a major topic. And, you know, you saw in the news all day, every day, you know, why it was important not to vape. So, you know, when it comes to vaping, you're you're just switching out for something else. So I, I definitely wouldn't recommend for people to vape. Um, the other thing when it comes to quitting smoking, uh, I think the most important thing is to, to have a plan, you know, with anything, if you don't have a plan on how you're going to do it, then you're not going to do it. Whether your plan consists of taking the nicotine gums or, you know, the patch or, you know, choosing a medication like Chantix, um, or, you know, just trying to figure out a way for yourself, you know, think positive about it. Think about the fact that I can do this. Because quitting smoking is very very difficult. You know the addiction to nicotine is real. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. So it is about motivation. If you think positive, if you think about the reasons why you need to quit, whether it be your spouse, uh, your girlfriend, uh, your children, um, yourself. You know the 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 risk that you are putting yourself in because you choose to you know smoke. Um those things are quite important. Um find out what find out where the craving starts. Like is it stress induced? You know, do you need to pick up that cigarette after a long day of work? Um, you know, keep yourself busy is also I think a very important thing to to help quit smoking. Um if you are busy, less chances that you have that second to oh I got a second, let me, you know, puff on a cigarette. And another thing that um that you touched on, um, Dr. Col- Colora, um, was the fact that if you have someone in your household that smokes, that's a big issue. It has to be something that you do together. Um, and if you have friends that smoke, it's time for you to you know, distance yourself from those friends because if they smoke, you're gonna smoke. So that's, to me, those are the most important things when it comes to quitting, make a plan first.
0: Yeah, Cam, one year after you stop smoking, your risk of uh, a heart attack drops by about 50%, um, stroke by 80%, not to mention cancer of basically every single part of your body, definitely throughout the GI tract and lungs. Um, And then, you know, in terms of vaping, JAMA actually did come out with a paper in 2017 that quoted specific cardiovascular risks equal to that of smoking with vaping. So vaping, not good. Um, the next listener mail goes to, uh, is from Lamar and he asks any tips for boosting immunity. Boy, do we ever, um, Dr. Kalra.
2: Um, you know, we sort of talked about this, right? Uh, I mean, I think the best way to boost immunity is exercise, you know, is the, the, the time, you know, it's, it's, it's timeless. It's proven. It's effective. It's cheap. Um, it, it works. Um, and, um, I think it's important to invest in, an, in, in an exercise routine, which you can follow regularly and religiously. Um, you know, you know people, you, you can, talk about food items, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, obviously from, from India and there's a lot of, uh, science and there's a lot of food science in Ayurveda and there, there are many food items which are thought to be, you know, immunity boosting. Um, but you know, like if you want to marry, you know, food science with, with the science that you and I know, Schaefer, you know, we, we really want to see some randomized controlled trial data and, you know, there aren't any, so, you know, you can take those for whatever it's worth. Uh, You know, some people are believers and some are not believers. You know, I think if there isn't a harm, then there is no harm in taking those, um, those, those food uh, items or those food substances or, you know, making, you know, actually in, in some of the Indian curries and, and veggies that, you know, we, we make at home, they're just the part of how those veggies are made. So, you know, that being said, I don't think infectious disease is any less in India, <laughs> compared <laughs> with the rest of the world. It's actually quite the opposite. Uh, even though cardi- cardiovascular disease has now become the leading cause of death, even in India. Um, so, non-communicable diseases have taken over, just like you know in the U.S. Um, but, but I, I do I do think that you know exercise unequivocally is is the strongest. Um, intervention, you know, you can make in
0: boosting immunity. Aaron Graham, what are you doing to uh, improve your immunity these days?
1: Trying to get some rest. Ah, but, uh,
0: very important.
1: Yes, uh, I, I 100% agree with you. It To me, it's sleep and rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, sleep and rest, exercise and rest.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: you know, unfortunately, right now, I, I, I do work in the COVID unit a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of things that they're throwing at the wall right now. Um, you'll see zinc and vitamin C, all these things um, that they're throwing at patients to help you boost their immunities. And depending on what research you're looking at, do these things work? Yes. No. You know, it depends on the research that you're looking at. But the thing I see is a lot of these people that are on this, you know, on the unit with COVID, um, they're overweight. You know, they have diabetes, they have hypertension, and these things lower your, your immunities. These same people, they're, they're not exercising. You know, if, you're, if you exercise, you lower your risk of diabetes, you, you lower your risk of um, heart disease, you lower your risk of um, hyperlipidemia, you know, high cholesterol. That's the best antioxidants out there is getting up, moving, and exercising. And then after you exercise, get yourself some rest so your body can reset. To me, if you want to boost your immunity, that's the way to do it.
0: Yeah, I think sleep is is central to pretty much everything wellness and a lot of health things as well, you know, namely because of the stress response, which is mitigated by cortisol, right? And think of cortisol as kind of like an immune system distractor. Your body is going to be in a stress state and then add on a foreign invader it's too busy dealing with equilibrating your stress state to fight off the foreign invader properly. And that's just a recipe for a, a bad, bad infection. So sleep, sleep and sleep. Um, you're right. You know, exercise for sure. And it doesn't even have to be high intensity interval training. It can be things like Tai Chi and yoga. They, they, those actual types of exercises have great benefit for immunity. They've actually looked at immunomarkers before and after these uh, types of exercise and found benefit. Um, and then, you know, in terms of food, so PUFAs, which is polyunsaturated fatty acids, things like fish are a really great source of immune boosting. And, you know, we talked about the benefit in your heart and then debatable are a lot of nutritional supplements. I think most Americans are vitamin D deficient, especially here in Ohio. We don't have a sun as a part of our weather plan 90% of the time. So most people are vitamin D deficient. It certainly can't harm you to take a vitamin D supplement. Uh, uh vitamin c and zinc uh i don't know i mean there there's some people that are giving vitamin c infusions and i am not not for that type of bro science uh for sure but you know if you want to take a vitamin C a supplement it's it's again it's not gonna harm you um so uh this was a great podcast i i really appreciate you know as always and graham um and then it was really a pleasure to have Dr. Kalra on on the podcast you know we definitely have a lot of history and it's nice to to see him um in between cats sharing his wellness knowledge with all of you Dr. Kalra you you have a side hustle though right there's something out there that you do on the side that brings you joy where could people find that um i don't know what what you're specifically alluding to but um
2: you know there's um so i i do poetry um, and um, my my first book of poetry was published earlier this year before the pandemic hit. It actually was released on Valentine's Day, um, and launched in collaboration with the Cleveland Clinic Arts and Medicine Institute. Um, you know, at the Cleveland Clinic, um, it's 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 called, it's titled Ebada and um, it's it's uh, an anthology of poems on love and loss and heartbreak. Um, about thirty poems, and you know, each poem has. Um, an accompaniment, which is a hand-painted, uh, you know, art art piece from one of the Ohio, California artists, and um, you know, it's uh, the the message of the book is that you know, if you know, words are a reaction to a particular emotion you are experiencing, then um, sort of the artwork is the lesson that the universe wants to share with you, or the universe wants to give you, um, you know, as as a manifestation of that emotion. So. I think it, it sort of goes along with your wellness theme. I think, you know, mental health and, and emotional health is, is extremely important and relevant also. Uh, and, you know, there, these are extremely trying times. You know, these are, uh, you know, extremely tough times for a lot of us, you know, for a lot of us who have lost jobs, who've lost family members, you know, who, have, who are just stressed out looking at, uh, you know, what's happening in, in our, you know, happening to our planet. And, you know, even in our communities, so, you know, um, you know, the message from the book and, you know, this is, I, I also published research in this, which, you know, got some national attention and that was broken heart syndrome during the pandemic. Um, but you know, the, the universal message is to sort of, you know, as they say, body, mind and spirit, right? So you train the body. So you exercise every day, you master the mind. So you meditate every day and you enrich the spirit. So you pray every day. So you exercise, you meditate, and you pray. Um, you know that's that's sort of the overarching message. You know whether it's science or whether it's spirituality, I think the message is the same. Um, and then I'm I am I have my nonprofit, you know, which is Makeden.org. and you know we've uh, we've done some we've it was uh, started a, about a couple of years ago. Um, we launched an app which sort of looks at readmission risk following a particular valve procedure in patients that one of the procedures that I do as an interventionalist, um, y- you know, the cardiovascular health for, for South Asians is something which is very close to my heart and something that I'm ha- heavily invested in. So we took a group of experts to India last year. We, d- we did a conference uh, sort of like think tank conference to get the experts and sort of solve the problem of cardiovascular disease in India. Uh, so we, we that, that paper was published in circulation earlier this year. Uh, and, um, you know, September 16th, is coming up. Um, I don't know when the podcast will be live. Um, maybe it's, uh, after September 16th or if it's before that, then September 16th, there's some, some exciting announcement, you know, in relation to the nonprofit and, you know, with what I've, what we're doing with the Cleveland Clinic and the nonprofit. So stay
0: tuned. Can you, can you spell the name of your book and where can people find it?
2: Yeah, sure. So the book is titled Ibada. I, B. um, D as in boy, A, D as in Denver, A, H, H as in hat, Ibadah. Uh, the website is ibadahthebook.com. Uh, so you people can find it on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, or they could just go to the website, ibadahthebook.com, and they can they can purchase directly from the publisher or from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, so that's the book. Um, and make a dent is makeadent.org. So, yeah. Thank you, though. Thanks for, thanks for interest in in those side
0: hustles, Shaper. No, thank you. And uh RN Graham, any uh parting wisdom for the listeners out there?
1: Sure. Um listen, when it comes to heart health, it for the most part it can be controlled. And you know, you've listened to two great healthcare professionals uh talk about the importance Three. of nutrition. <laughs> 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 nutrition and exercise. Um, I've learned so much uh, today. So Dr. Carla, thank you so much. Um, it was definitely a pleasure having you on, uh, you touched base on so many things. And one of the things that you said was, um, and you said it really quick, but when it comes to heart disease, you know, it can be controlled. It's not something that most people have to suffer from. Yes, there are those people born with these conditions, but, you know, with diet exercise, not smoking you know, these things can be controlled. And, you know, once again, thank you so much. You are amazing in your knowledge when it comes to this stuff.
2: I know. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate the invitation.
0: Uh, For those of you uh, that haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at team at maximalbeing.com. Um, And at maximalbeing.com, there is a ton of information, including some stuff on heart disease out there for you. So until next time, this is Doc Mock, and I'm here with Rn Graham and Dr. Ankur Kalra. And we are here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Thanks, everybody. Next week on the maximal being, you know, we're going to focus on the positive here, right? You know, it's not all doom and gloom, (laughs) right? We don't have to be like, like how the news has been recently. Um, And so we're going to come up with some solutions for you. So do us a favor, Maximal Beings, and leave us a comment or review. Hit the subscribe button let your friends and family know so that we can get the word out. And until next time, this is Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness.